0: Blob Talk Radio,
1: and that's our theme song for Let's Talk TV Live, written for us by a fan of the show who felt inspired at the end of the year um, and felt that I needed an actual theme song. So thank you, fan of the show, who is now asked me not to mention his name. So I'm not going to do that. Welcome to another edition of Let's Talk TV Live. I am your host, Barbara Barnett. I'm executive editor of Blog Critics Magazine, where I also serve as senior TV and film editor. And I'm also the publisher and editor-in-chief of Let's Talk TV, TV blog. And tonight we have a very special guest. Uh, Wally Pedrezic from the Museum of Broadcast Communications right here in Chicago. Um, I want to promo first just really quickly. Tomorrow night, um, we're going to be doing a house show. Sorry, I've been off the air on Tuesday nights for a couple of weeks, unavoidable circumstances. But tomorrow night, we're going to have Andrew Holtz, who wrote the great book, The Medical Science of House M.D., and we're going to be talking about the show from a medical point of view, and then we'll get back to our weekly rewatch. Um, next week, next Monday night, we'll be back talking about Once Upon a Time. I know you guys are all looking forward to the episode The Queen is Dead, which I have not seen yet, um, and we'll be talking about that next Monday night. And the Monday night after that, um, we'll be on the air to talk about The Miller's Daughter, which I have seen, which is the next episode, but um, on Tuesday night, instead of my house show, I will be welcoming to the show Jane Espenson, the wonderful uh, TV writer who's written for Battlestar Galactica and Buffy. She's most known for Buffy um, and has been on the show a few times, and she's become a great friend of the show, and uh, she'll be on to talk about her Once Upon a Time episode, The Miller's Daughter, so um, some really exciting things coming up um wally welcome to the show
2: well it's a pleasure to be here
1: we we spoke a little bit before the show but it's been a couple of years since we were on a panel together talking about
2: house of all things of and, all and things. things medical
1: and things medical and things tv-ish so um tell us a little bit about yourself that you're you've got quite an illustrious cv um and uh some of the things that you've done.
2: Well, a little, little bit of uh background since this is a show about TV. Um I've done I've co authored ten books with uh a Northwestern college friend of mine, associate, uh Harry Castleman. And they're a mix of pop culture topics. The ones most relevant to our discussion, of course, are about television. And uh the latest book is the uh, expanded a revised edition of watching tv 6 decades of american television uh it's a season by season story of television and i say season by season i mean going back to like the 1944-45 season cool. uh going all the way uh through to the uh, uh through into the 21st century uh well i just describe it is that each chapter is a season there's about 70 chapters and if you want to just say, I don't know anything or don't care anything before 1960, start in 1960, because each one is self-contained. You want to start on page one and go all the way through? It also flows that way. And it combines uh, narrative text with a little bit of uh, timeline highlights. Uh, we call them the date boxes. Have some pictures and schedule, fall schedule grids um, for each of the seasons. Um, And uh, another way of telling the TV story is at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, which uh, is coming on the first anniversary of when it opened officially in its new home in Chicago (laughs) at uh, 360 North State. You can go to museum.tv to uh, get a little bit more information about um, what's going on there in general, uh, special events and all. Uh, But I did the um, 125 panels of genre TV history, uh, which can be read in any order whatsoever, because that was my charge. Uh, Each one about 110 words or so. So you can get um, basically a real sweep of TV history by genre uh, when you come to the uh, TV floor uh, of the museum. And then the floor below that is uh, focusing on radio.
1: Cool. Very cool. Good stuff that you're involved with. Very good stuff. We actually spoke um, on this panel was at the University of Illinois. It was almost exactly two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. wow. T-
2: time flies. I know. Well, um, House retired uh, since, since
1: then. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> so um, have you been a th- I, I grew up with medical shows. My mom was an addict of, of medical shows. She was a big soap opera person, but she was she was I think she was in love with Ben Casey, to be Um. honest. And so I would, uh, if I wanted to actually like you know like hang out with her, it would be to watch medical shows because that's what she was doing all the time. Um, So my my love affair with with the shows probably doesn't go back quite that far. I mean, I remember Doctor Kildare, and I remember the nurses and Zena Bethune, (laughs) and. Um but my my thing with medical shows probably started in the 70s, I would guess. Um are you a big medical show fan? Hello? Uh-oh. We have lost our uh our guest. Oh, and here he is again.
2: He kind of disappeared I've into lost the ether. You.
1: Oh my gosh! What happened? Is I that, have
2: no idea. That uh, is it just, so weird. It just stopped. But you were starting to you you were saying that um, uh, you you and your mom would watch Ben Casey, yeah. and, and and you used the term soap opera, yeah.
0: Um,
2: and and you mentioned Ben Casey, and and uh, it got me thinking about, of course, one of uh, the hooks I've always thought of for for medical shows is they draw people because. Of course, they are often soap operas yeah. because what could be more engaging than a life and death struggle that does not involve a shootout at the OK Corral? Right, right, um, right. And right. Uh, so, so people uh, are really involved in life and death decisions, either as doctors or as patients. Right, um,
1: right and one of the things i find really interesting and i think what's unique about medical shows that as opposed to crime dramas or lawyer shows or any other genre is that everybody gets sick. Everybody sees doctors. Everybody once in a while has to encounter either themselves or a family member in the hospital. And we don't um we don't necessarily all see lawyers. We don't so hopefully not get involved in the in the crime, you know, in, in the police drama but we all get sick so i think that's kind of a unique thing for us
2: and uh we're all sort of on the edge of 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 mystery but a different kind of mystery Mm -hmm. you know you walk in saying i'm feeling this way and self-diagnostically i think it's x and part of what unfolds in these shows is solving that mystery. Uh, preparing for this, I, I went looking for one of the earliest medical shows, an episode of that called Medic.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: Um, and this was um, with Richard Boone mm-hmm. um, uh, playing um, playing a doctor, but it w- it was more like a drama anthology yes. in that he would, sometimes he'd be in it, but mostly he's just introducing it. He's introducing other characters, and uh, uh, and the and the one episode uh, which was easiest to find um, searching online was one uh, with Dennis Hopper. Oh yes, um, I've seen that one. Yeah, uh, exactly. And and when I was watching it, it pacing wise, once you got past the setup, or, you know, hi, I'm Richard Boone, and and here's what we're going to talk about, um, it was almost like a House episode. And that you have, here's an idyllic scene, and it looks really nice, and and here's this young man. There's something a little strange, oh, and and suddenly there's this turn, and he's having what we later find out is an epileptic seizure. Right. And it's like, oh, my goodness, what happens next? Okay, now the story starts. Right,
1: but one of the interesting things about that episode um, is uh, that, and, and it struck me about Medic, and I've seen a couple of episodes of Medic um i was really really fascinated with it um pa- partially because it was not sponsored but it had the the imprimatur of the Los Angeles Medical Society i mean it LA, had the LA
2: county medical association yeah. right the logo right at the end yes
1: yeah it was a really almost like an educational tool and i think that that episode with dennis hopper is really an educational piece educating people about the fact that epilepsy, which back then was thought of as a sort of madness, was really a medical condition that could be treated, not to institutionalize someone. And I think that that um, medic did a really good job of really kind of lecturing to a, a much more innocent, naive United States population who didn't know. I mean, medical science wasn't as far as it was now. There was another episode on Medic, and I don't know if you've ever seen it, where um, it was uh, very science fictionist-ish, mm. and there was a nuclear attack. And um, did you – have you ever seen that? No, it? no, I, I
2: have not seen that, so you have to it, uh, paint was, the picture for me and for, and for your uh, listeners.
1: Yeah, there, um, it, it was an episode there, – there was uh, medical professionals responding to an atomic bomb attack at a local school. And, of course, this was at the height of the Cold War mm-hmm. and on everybody's mind. And they were so overwhelmed And here that people thought they were really prepared for this sort of a, a huge emergency. And finally and ultimately, they realized that you cannot prepare for this, for something like this. is so devastating uh, that you can't prepare for it. And it was actually a really bleak and very, uh, I thought, would be something that would be hugely controversial for that time because it was really quite anti-nuke in its own way.
2: Well, the thing that it's easy for us to um, uh, uh, forget is that uh, the thing about the 1950s is they took their – the creators – Took the charge of doing serious drama very yeah. seriously. Oh um, yeah. Yes, you had your you look know, the I Love Lucy's of the era paid for everything, mm-hmm. but but something like a dragnet, which was uh, I'd say the 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 the, the, the creative cousin uh, to medic in that it was based based in quotes on um, names changed from official uh, police uh, files. Uh, uh, Of Los Angeles and so medic just uh, of course was the same type of thing, right? Um, And if you look at these uh, Starkly black and white not because they were trying to be noir. I mean it was that's what they could afford and that's what they were doing Um, It's not just medic, but so many of the shows you watch then you uh, You are just struck by how they were willing to show things that don't work out Right. These were challenging stories, uh, as I say, to sort of uh, balance off the fact that much of the rest of the schedule would be light and fluffy. Right.
0: And these were right. people
2: who felt uh, like, yeah, this is a great medium. Let's use it uh, right. to, to to educate, uh, as you mentioned on the, on the epilepsy uh, episode for for medic, and and, and now uh, this example of, you know, this isn't really survivable. A desk doesn't protect you
1: when right. the bomb falls. Yeah, really. Uh, Yeah. So that was really interesting. You know, I want to go back to um, the very, very first medical drama, which was called City Hospital. And Mm -hmm. that debuted in 1951. And it actually I was very, very um, intrigued by the fact I could find very little about it. I actually uh, was at Paley Center a couple of summers ago, and I was doing some research on uh, medical TV medical shows. And um, one of the things I found out about City Hospital is that it featured a female doctor. There was a, a male doctor, and there was a female doctor. And how revolutionary was that?
2: Uh yeah. I, I, there, there, there's no way of getting around. Yes, that that's definitely uh, revolutionary. And you know, that that was another one of the great parts of the uh, the, the what's called the Golden Age of of TV yeah. drama is. Who says you can't? Why not? Right. Go ahead. And and of course I, I alluded to a reference style of Lucy, uh you know the the star of the uh first major comedy was female and you know mm-hmm. what else she had a Cuban husband. Yeah. So I mean you you had mixed ethnicity, you had the female lead. Now yeah, she did goofy stuff, but so what? It was still a female lead. Right and and uh so the idea of oh um so how about a, a female doctor here sure um now back then uh let's see what it only ran what about a season or so season and a half something like yeah. that um yeah.
1: Run very long,
2: and, and and that was part of the excitement of that era too. Is mm-hmm. that you know we talk about now all these series that maybe play on cable for like eight episodes or ten episodes, right. and they come back in a year and a half or or so. Uh, in its own way, early television did the same type of thing. Or if right. you want to flip it, in its own way, contemporary television gives you those same opportunities. Let's see what happens with these nine episodes. You know, we're right. not going to ever do any more. That's okay. We got to tell these stories.
1: Right, right. I, I think one of the things that was so um, so common about 50s medical shows was they were all very educational, almost documentary. Um, mm-hmm. I thought Medic was just really – Particularly, a very documentary, almost a documentary show. You really believe Richard Boone was a doctor? Oh,
2: oh yeah, and and uh, uh, the 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 characters. Yes, they would have the you know. Let's face it; there was a little bit of uh, soap opera in terms of um, you know nurses identifying with the yeah. the the patients and and trying to help them, and and the oh, reassuring yeah. voice of the doctors and all. Um, But uh, it was still in this context of, uh, frankly, lecturing at times. I I was, Mm -hmm. again, talking about epilepsy, where where, uh, Richard Boone's character, uh, in character, was just saying, uh, this is important to understand that. And and then you have, like, a minute explanation of what all this is about.
0: Right, right, right. So it is your responsibility
2: as as, as a citizen to learn this.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I the think the, yeah, go, oh, ahead. Sorry, go ahead.
2: Go ahead. Uh, well, well one, one thing that struck me is is when one of the creators uh, behind Medic. Uh, you, uh, you had started by mentioning Ben Casey, of course. Yeah. Then goes over to Ben Casey. Uh, yeah. you know, uh, uh, in the next decade, and there you layer in that very handsome, hands-on yeah. lead character to die for, um, <laughs> and 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 that's your that's your soap opera hook. The 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 medical uh, uh, force in there that's going to face these tough decisions, but man, that's I, I hate to say it's it's eye candy, but that 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 was part of it.
1: Well, it is. It goes from being almost documentary to being you know almost one of those um, PSA kind of a shows, you know, public service amount-, amount, mm-hmm. amount of kind of shows. To you know, taking a page from their um, their radio soap opera cousins saying well let's let's you know make this more populous let's make this bigger audience um so i have a question before i we go through some of the we go through the decades because one of the things that really fascinates me is how metal shows change from decade to decade and generation to generation and, and i'm really intrigued by that but do you have any over you know having grown up I think roughly over the same period of time I have. Um, do you have any favorite uh medical shows? Yeah, you
2: know, um to, to, to be honest, the, the uh there was always the question Kildare versus Casey. Oh yeah. Basically. And um so so uh I was probably more a Kildare guy. Um, maybe uh, even back then I, I knew that he had uh, deep roots, but I'm going to throw a kind of a curveball to you uh, Right around the same era, you know what medical show I liked?
1: Hmm.
3: Hennessy
2: Yeah, and this, that a in
1: 59, so that was kind yeah, of right, a pretty, right. And, uh, yeah, right, uh, yeah. so it
2: actually preceded these, yeah. uh, though technically Kildare preceded them all because it was a movie series and a radio series and all But Hennessy was, was something you don't see that often, or hadn't seen that often, a half-hour drama, drama with comic elements. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Um,
1: and it was military, too. Cause what, and it was what,
2: military, what, yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. He was like um, a naval a naval doctor.
2: Yes. And to this day, <laughs> I still remember uh, an episode where, uh, let's see, Abby Dalton played his uh, his assistant. Mm-hmm.
0: Um right.
2: And... They were uh, involved in a surgery, and she was panicking. She was losing it. And the reason she was is because they were operating on her dad. And so uh, 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 Jackie Cooper, uh, who had the lead role, sent her out. you You said you could do this. You can't do this. You have to leave. You have to leave now. And it showed how no matter how much control you think you have in the matters of life and death. Everyone is gonna cry if daddy's hurt, everyone's going to just identify with the, the with the relative on that operating table. And yeah, you better step away. Uh you better let the people that really know that, that you have to do the best, but you can't be that emotionally connected with it. And it was just stunning. Uh, and I think it worked even better because it was a drama with comic elements. So, in other words, you liked the right. characters. It, it was not, this is going to be a serious soap opera or this is right. going to be a dramatic documentary or documentary type like Medic. It was, this is a, a lighter show but could turn at any moment. And so it lures you in and then it turns. and. Sure. I used to lo- – so if you're saying what was my favorite, that actually was my favorite.
1: Oh, cool. My mom loved that show, and I, I was like five years old or something like that when that was on. And,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um,
1: But my mom just loved it, and I know she had a huge crush on Jackie Cooper. <laughs> well,
2: well, I, I sort of like Abby myself.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you would, of course. Um, but as far as Kildare versus Casey, and my mom watched both, and I watched them both with her. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, even then, I liked the cynical doctor. <laughs> I did. I, you know, I was definitely a Ben Casey girl. You know why though? I think, I think I was intrigued by the man, woman versus death infinity.
2: Okay, yes. The, uh, uh, I will have to backtrack just slightly. If there was anything that I would watch regularly, it would be that opening minute where you get <laughs> to see it. the chalkboard. And, yeah. and what we're describing now is. There, this, there would be a hand uh, drawing on the chalkboard ma- the symbols for man, right, woman, birth, death, infinity, and then that uh, is is the jumping off point for for that week's drama. I thought that was just so. It's great. I, 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 basically, that's storytelling right it there.
1: Where I mean, else can you go? Me. It never left me. I mean, I remembered that when I was in, you know. Uh, Oh, what's the symbol for male? The, you know, and you you knew it. You just knew it. <laughs> well, of course. And and but but that whole idea of what is medical science and what is science actually was a big influence on me, even though I was I was really little, and uh, but it it really influenced me. And that that whole idea of the mystery of science and and even a little bit of philosophy because those symbols are almost philosophical. Mm-hmm, uh, yes. Really intrigued me, and I think probably subconsciously influenced my decision to major in the sciences when I was at college. So Mm -hmm. uh, bad choice for me, but that's okay. That's a different story for another time, but never, uh, nevertheless, I was a a biology major. And and I think that was a a lot of the reason why, Um, but yeah, I was definitely, you know, with Ben Casey, what I thought was interesting is now you have the first show I think where you have, maybe it's not the first show, but the first show that I can think of, where you have uh, a generation gap. You know, you have Ben Casey, who is passionately for the patient. And if he's breaking the rules, so be it. Um, Mm -hmm. This noble, he was a surgeon, I believe, a surgical Mm -hmm. resident. And it didn't matter what Dr. Zorba thought. Oh, well, of course. You know, if, if it was good for the patient, breaking the rules, breaking the Hippocratic Oath, whatever it took, that was it. And I I think-
2: I I see you setting up some of your later uh <laughs> medical affections right now.
1: <laughs> see, I'm consistent. I'm consistent with the kind of hero that I like. I'm a Byronic hero fan and I've always liked Byronic heroes on TV and in film and in literature. And I've always liked cynical I don't give a fake about the rules kind of doctor. And um you know those are the doctors i would like to be treated by who say you know what i'm going to save your life no matter what risk it is to my career um they don't exist in real life but you know well, it's not.
2: sure um uh, you, you know you're, you're going down the wh- where does the pendulum swing you know one of the reasons that medical shows come and go and come and go um one is that As I said, you can have life and death decisions without Mm -hmm. pulling the trigger. Right. And they're usually the go-to if there's one of those waves of television is too violent, usually because of cop dramas, uh, that's where you can still have uh, the, uh, the fight for life. And uh, not necessarily have it um, in, involve a, sh- a shootout or or a stabbing or whatever. I mean, yes, those might be the causes of why someone's in the hospital, but it isn't the total focus of of the uh, the cops breaking down uh, doors and uh, having right. the shootouts with the bad guys. Uh, right. Right. Well, uh, can I jump in? You were asking about um, uh, favorite medical moments. I have also another that uh, I'm thinking about it. Uh, also, goes military. I'm jumping a little ahead, and we can we can go back to the to the 60s in a second, but MASH. Oh, and, but,
1: I'm, I'm going to get to. I want to spend a lot of time on MASH, so I'm going to get there.
2: Oh, okay, you're going to get there. All right, well, we'll put that aside
1: because we aside. still have
2: to, to go through um there there's still uh, you know like Marcus Welby and all.
1: Yeah yeah, I I'm, I'm going to get there. I'm going we're going to waltz through. So we have Dr. Kildare, okay, I'm going to yeah. skip things like the Bob New Tom Dick and Mary. Oh, but I would do want to make a mention of The Nurses which which premiered in 62. Mhm. And what was interesting is there was a huge amount of controversy because doctors, the AMA were very upset. That there was a show that featured nurses so prominently, so the show then became. The it was either doc- the doctors and Church the nurses, and the nurse. or the doctors. Yeah. Right, yeah. In, in yeah. '63, uh huh, and that was because, and I remember, I vaguely remember my mom like say, "Yeah, oh, why are they doing that?" And and da 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 da, and it was because the AMA said, "Wait a second, <laughs> the doctors are the people who treat people, not the nurses," and so. That was kind of a, an interesting um pullback almost um yeah, uh,
2: of course, you could then say,
1: well, then how about why don't we
2: show female doctors in greater number
1: yeah really really um and you know speaking of breakthroughs in sixty eight of course we had Julia, which was a comedy right yeah. um, which featured um an african american uh as a nurse in this in starring role and i think that was kind of a breakthrough comedy you know a, a single working mom medical professional
2: yeah and uh that was diana uh Carol, uh yes. in the lead and um that was when you talk about breakthrough it's it, it's hard for us uh, perhaps to appreciate in in today's television and general media context, but there was a long period uh, where there just were rarely African-American characters and certainly not as carrying the lead of a series. Now, there are always exceptions. I mean, mention the decade and Bill Cosby is an exception that you you come across repeatedly. Uh, But um, it's, all right, let's quote take a chance uh, with um, this type of casting, and, and it was um, about as uh, I don't think it was a, I don't think it was a coincidence that you had something that was medical and professional. So it was saying, look, we are going to have a story here, which is it's going to be controversial enough to start with. Uh, so we don't want to have uh, us being accused of having negative portrayals.
0: So right. this
2: is going to be a real professional. It's not going to be uh, like this was not the time to introduce Sanford and Son, uh, for no. example.
1: No, so. no, 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 <laughs> no, no. Uh,
2: so, 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 so that worked uh, well. Uh, it was on for a couple seasons. It, it did not become a, a, a breakthrough definer. But you need the first couple to get things going.
1: Right, right. And then the next year after that, we had Medical Center debut,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: which
1: was really a a transitional kind of a series, I think. Um, Again, did not hesitate to go after controversy. And uh, there were a couple of episodes, actually, interesting. First episode, um, I watched the series. I had the opportunity to review the first season DVDs Mm -hmm. uh, for blog critics. And I watched them and I hadn't seen them since I was a kid. And here you have the very first uh, episode of a it was a, a football player, a college football player who was being l- an African-American kid who had this ticket out of poverty, but he was sick. And the doctor, you know, Joe Gannon uh, said, you know, you, you really shouldn't be going out there. And he insisted and. And if he, you know, if he gets his college draft, you know, his mother is going to be fine. So he goes out there and, of course, he gets sick and he has to be treated. Um, and as I was watching it, I was like, wait a second. They did this on House <laughs> last year <laughs> in the episode Moving the Chains. And which moving the chains, you know, like the football term. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was it was exactly the same story. It was and I couldn't believe it because this is 30 years, not more more than 30 years, it's 40 years later. And here they have the same exact story, Uh, the same, not the same medical condition, but the same sociological story. And I thought that was kind of cool. But another thing that they did in the first season is they attacked abortion. Mm hmm. And, of course, this is 1969. This is pre-Roe versus Wade. And there was a disagreement between Gannon and a female doctor about whether this patient should get an abortion. There was an illness. She she was sick. She was going to die. Gannon thought she was going to die if she carried the the, the baby. It was second trimester. And um, ultimately, she decided to keep the baby. But I thought it was fascinating in that sort of, Pre Roe v. Wade environment to be talking about something like abortion. Well, I, th-
2: I would like to point out, and we're going to vary just slightly from medical. You, you would have seen the same thing in uh, in the TV show The Defenders too, yeah. which was E.G. Yeah. Marshall, um, uh, Robert Reed, uh, and that was at the beginning of the '60s till about the mid '60s. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the reason that you would see such topics tackled is um you did have folks that uh, were proud of the golden age of TV drama the uh, from the 50s some came directly from it frankly mm-hmm. and so they said all right we'll do a TV series cuz that's you know drama anthologies aren't working um that uh, though they would become the movie of the week for for a long stretch too uh, sort of drama anthologies in disguise but under a regular series because you would have the guest characters, well, there's your drama anthology. There are the characters you actually are never going to see again, so you can really push some of these issues to mm-hmm. the front. And because they involved characters other than the main ones, that right. is, the, the heavy-duty decision was probably not going to be from from the, the lead doctor. I mean, that would be involved in in, in the execution but it would not be the person who was the reason for having the decision in the first place. You could right. go places. Right. And, right. Uh, uh, and, and I, there, there was also, as I said, a great deal of pride in look what we can do. Yeah. Look what we can do on, on, on television. And um, I, I know every generation uh, has a tendency to think that they invented it from ground up. And, in effect, you do, because, you know, uh, as NBC used to say, uh, if, if you haven't seen it or done it before, it's new to you, e- right. even if it's uh, a, a, an actual rerun. But it, it shows how that some of these stories, some of these themes are timeless and that they do uh, translate and can get reinterpreted from decade to decade. And that's really exciting.
1: Yeah. And, and the issues change, you know, the mm-hmm. the, the, the controversial issues Change and you know one of the things is um, as these issues is bec- come up whether they're political or whether they're just societal, is they're almost because TV is continues to be but certainly was especially very popular shows was a real like shared American experience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they really provided that sort of talking point, that water cooler talking point for talking about these issues that sort of, um, you know, kind of maybe influenced people's opinions and almost was a precursor to some, you know, different societal changes that happened, I I think, in some ways.
2: Well, in effect, they they were less threatening than if you did an in-your-face documentary. Yep. No, Absolutely. you might want to come later and see that documentary, but in terms right. of introducing topics right. to the dinner table, right. that was a good place to do it.
1: Right. And whether it was abortion in nineteen sixty nine or nineteen seventy, or whether it was AIDS later, or whether it was um, you know, having an African American surgeon heading up you know whatever that was or it could
2: be mercy killings it, exactly. it could be anything right. that it doesn't necessarily that that does not necessarily have a yes this is the unquestioned way mm-hmm. to go it's like we don't know we're dealing with it right now here's one way of going
1: yes absolutely so i want to uh slip into the 1970s and um get to m*a*s*h* which premiered in 1972 starring Ellen Alda based on the movie, which still stands is one of my, I cannot every time the movie mash with Donald Sutherland and Elliot Gould comes on the air. I cannot avoid watching it It is, (laughs) without a doubt. One of my favorite movies, my uh, it came out about a month before my 16th birthday. Now you all know how old I am. And um, it was, it was rated. You had to be 17 and over to go. And I was really upset, and I remember my mother calling the movie theater and making a big stink about it, and they let me go in. (laughs) But um, the movie is fantastic, but the show endured much longer than the movie stayed in in consciousness. Um, So talk about MASH. You wanted to to talk about MASH?
2: Well, one of of the things – let me go go right to the – Medical Center, uh, which which very early on is established, which is look, this is a situation comedy, that's how it's packaged on CBS, uh, which is uh, its its first its network home, and it was a time saying look, we're adapting a hit movie, that's all we're, we're and and uh, they brought a really uh, talented group to uh, to the fore. Um, and you mentioned Alan Alda as, as one of the leads, uh, Larry Gelbard, of course, uh, mm-hmm. with a long history of good, solid comedy writing, uh, but also um, writing for, like, uh, the, the theater, Funny Thing Happened yes. on the Way of the Foreman. knows yes. how to tell a story. Yes. And so in the first season, um, th- they established, right from the get-go, no laugh track in the operating room. We could do whatever silly surgeons, uh, tomfoolery out there, no laugh track there. And then they also said, you know, this is a war setting. And in capturing what I like to call the gore of war and the joy of sex, which is what the combination of the movie, uh, within TV limits they did that, the gore of war especially – I want to get to the two rules of war because that was sort of like this defining moment in early uh, first season of Mash. Hawkeye is dealing with a friend he hasn't seen for a while and all, and the guy's the guy's a hit. He's on He's on the uh, operating table, and uh, Hawkeye's trying to save him, and he can't. And Henry Blake sends sends him away, saying, "Move away, Pierce." Move away, um, McIntyre. Come in and, and finish this. And and, and his friend dies,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, so Hawkeye's trying to deal with this this, right. this uh, irre, uh, irreverent character and Henry Blake, who's up to that point yeah,
0: mostly he's
2: not a buffoon, like kind of silly. Right. He says, "Look, I don't know, but they taught us in officers in, in, in officers training the two rules of war. Rule number one: patients die." Rule number two, doctors can't change rule number one.
1: Oh, I remember that. And I that was just
2: that. wow, talk about spot on yeah. dialogue. That that frankly can apply to all medical shows. Yes. Because it's basically yeah. I'm gonna try to stop this person dying and you know what? Sometimes I can't.
1: Exactly. Um it you know, it it was because of the times that it was on, um, it was also an avatar. Um for the Vietnam War. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, most and definitely. And it allowed yeah, and it allowed really um to explore the horror of war so very far away in, you know, where there are guerrilla guerrilla warfare. Um and the, the 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 stories around it. I mean the medical stories. I mean it was the other part of it that I loved is no matter how much they all couldn't quote unquote stand each other you know, when they were being normal.
2: Yes.
0: As
1: soon as there was a medical emergency, they were all right on the money.
2: Even Frank Burns, the Even the, Frank uh, Burns. The much mocked. Um, right. right. Uh, the the comic foil. And and that was very much picking up one of the themes of the MASH movie too. Mm-hmm. Uh which is right. the main characters come in and say, Who are you? We're the we're we're the pros from Dover. We're gonna save this kid's life. Mm-hmm. You know we're gonna crack this chest open and then go out right. and have a round of golf. Right. We can get away with all the stuff we're getting away with because we're really good at what we do. You know it, we know it, and because of right. the war setting, the rules don't apply right. um, the, we need to um to fix these poor kids that have been um caught caught in war. And uh it's not pretty but uh we we, we get the job done. Right. And uh-huh. it doesn't
1: matter if they're whose side they're on. They're oh, still exactly. human oh, life. Right, right. And that was a huge I thought that was a huge important thing that was a source of conflict. Oh yeah. Um, you know, within the medical staff, especially with Frank Burns. Um and uh not so much with with uh, um oh, Winchester or- Winchester, thank you, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah,
2: there, there there are different phases of mash, obviously, yeah. and uh, but but the first oh I'd say the first oh four to five seasons as long as Larry Gelbart was there, it was still Brilliant. the embodiment of the movie now done a yeah. hundred times over. I mean, you know, you know, re- really taken to a whole new level using the medium of TV to tell mm-hmm. stories um, in these self-contained thirty-minute units. Uh, and thereafter, it became a different, still good show, but mm-hmm. it became a different type of show um, uh, further on because uh, they were getting farther and farther away from the uh, analogy to the Vietnam right. War and right. pretty much making it um, a, a drama anthology, but with many reoccurring characters.
1: Oh, yeah, they were great. I loved Sydney when he would come back and forth, the, the psychiatrist, and um there were just a lot of great recurring characters and changes of characters and deaths of characters
2: yeah and 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 you could see death and you could see uh one of to to skip ahead to to the to the finale um which was focused very much on on uh Alan Alda's character uh yeah. dealing with a, with the death that he saw that he had been part of he the healer had been the the, the cause of a death mm. But what what moved me um equally was you mentioned the character of Charles Winchester. Charles yeah. Winchester took some um he couldn't speak a word to uh some some prisoners, uh some, some Korean prisoners, but they were musicians.
1: Yeah. And oh, he had yeah.
2: such a deep, deep affection for them.
1: Yeah.
2: And they didn't make it.
1: Right, I remember that. It was, it was. I just loved that show. There was just so much in that show. I could go on talking about that. Well, let us do hour. a quick,
2: quick footnote on that, and to show how the, the 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 setting of war helped it do so many things that you couldn't do in other settings. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they did Aftermath, um, one of the reasons that had a really hard time working is that you didn't have people under the gun, not by their choice, right. far away from home. Having to deal with uh, the right. army bureaucrats, etc. Mm-hmm. Your inclination watching Aftermash, which was uh, a number of the characters back home, not Alan Alda, but um, uh, the Colonel Potter and, and Father Mulcahy and, uh, and right. uh, Klinger. Uh, you know, the reaction was, "Well, you don't like it, leave." You know, it, right. it, it didn't have that same. I'm right. trapped here, so we've all got to work together. It's instead, well, you can go wherever you want because cause you're home now. And and, and and that cut cut off some of the uh the, the storytelling style that had worked so well uh right. in it, mass. It takes,
1: it takes some of the intensity away from it.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Um but I wanna I wanna go on a little bit. I can't believe we only have fifteen minutes left. Oh my goodness. But, oh my okay. gosh. This is like <clears throat> I just wanna make note, um, another nineteen seventy two show, Emergency. I was having a discussion with a friend of mine who's the dean of a medical college okay. in Michigan. And um, he says, you know, one of the things about medical shows is it affects medical students. It affects Mm -hmm. the things that people want to go into. And he gave me the specific example of emergency. And he said, after that show made emergency medicine so sexy, um, even, you know, with with the paramedics and all that. Sure. It it, it it literally
2: was an emergency setting.
1: It actually um, meant a, a like a huge tick up in the number of paramedics that would train, but also turned people on to emergency medicine. And the other thing that my friend said to me, he says, you know, gone are the days of Marcus Welby and internists. Everyone wants to be the specialist that's so sexy on television. Mm-hmm. And it's had a real negative in some ways, a very negative impact on um, medicine in medical schools. Uh, I thought that was a really interesting observation. Um, I and, wanted and actually,
2: and actually you touched onto Marcus Welby when we kind of slid slid over,
3: he and did. part of it
2: is because, uh, frankly, he wasn't that dramatic. You know, no. it was hi. I can take care of things, and I'm I'm the wise general practitioner, family practitioner, and you know that's actually whom you and I would love to have as our doctor, but. That that wasn't quite as uh, a dramatic a set of stories, though it was a hugely successful series. It was. You you don't really remember it in that same way of I want to be just like that. Well, not not when you have well, what would be like uh, Bobby Troop and 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 Robert Fuller and and, and those uh, mm-hmm. uh, stars in there uh, from from Emergency. So. Right.
1: Right, and and the same can be said of ER too, which was oh yeah, yeah. later. Uh but yeah, I mean it made certain kinds of medicine very sexy. Um so I wanna talk about talk about going from the sexy to the unsexy to St. Elsewhere mm-hmm. and and segue into the eighties. Uh that was probably one of my favorite shows of the eighties. Um it just showed a whole nother it took it took the seamier aspects of medicine from MASH, you know, sort of gritty aspects of medicine from MASH and um the darker side and moved it to a hospital.
2: And one of the things it did is these people, remember I I had said, oh, well, you can move elsewhere. Well, in saying elsewhere, you really couldn't. Right. Uh, For whatever reason, either because they had an affection for this uh, old, old, old hospital or they really didn't want to go to a a different center, they they didn't have respect for it or or what have you, they were kind of stuck at yeah. St. Elsewhere, and so were patients who ended up there. I mean, because yes. it was not, the hospital was not called St. Elsewhere. The hospital was called St. Regis. Yes. But St. Elsewhere was the sort of dark nickname for it, because mm-hmm. if you can't afford, well, the the pricey hospital, this is right. where you end up.
1: Right. It's like going to Cook County Hospital and not Northwestern University Medical Center.
2: <laughs> and because of that, the doctors there took incredible pride mm-hmm. as teachers as a teaching yeah. hospital to be cutting edge, to get things done because you know, they were they were pulling down okay salaries, but this this was not the the, the the top spot that you wanted to end your career or advance your career at. Uh but if you went there you wanted to do the best and really push cutting edge but with minimal um minimal financial and in and, and, and equipment support.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was great. And it was a yet, you know, it it crossed into, you know, now we're in the 80s with the yuppies and the yuppie puppies. and, And now it's a whole new generation.
2: Well, well, the other thing was you talk about a series now, where we might want to talk about um, an episode of Once Upon a Time or Lost uh, as each episode unfolded. Saint Elsewhere, uh, even more so than it, than its um, uh, uh, thematic brother, uh, Hill Street Blues. Saint Elsewhere was the type of show that, as soon as the episode was over in the pre-internet days, I would be on the phone talking with yep. uh, with friends. Think, oh, okay, yeah. so did you get those illusions? Okay, well, I didn't get that illusion because it, cause it was so sharply written, so knowingly written. Uh, and yeah. they would have almost these by the ways. That I said. Oh, do you realize that's alluding to? And then you get either literature or pop culture or yes. previous, and and it was just amazing to watch. Oh yeah,
1: it was great. It was great. Katie in the um, chat room says the Saint Elsewhere finale is overrated, though. I would agree with you. Well, <laughs> uh, I,
2: I here here's how I I save in my mind uh, this whole Saint Elsewhere series. Uh, I. Interpret that as not negating the entire series as the creation of uh, a a young, ill uh, child, autistic child, but rather to focus on what was the last image, which was he takes this snow globe uh, and puts Mm -hmm. it on top of a television set which is turned off at the moment, but he puts on top of the television set. And one of the other characters, I forget which, says something like, I can't imagine how you spend all those hours just looking at that glass. And I say, <laughs> okay, I think they're just having some fun there. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're saying you have to take this literally as negating everything you've been involved with for right. the last, uh, what's it, seven years. Uh, but uh, I think instead they're making a little jab at uh, TV viewing in general. So that was the way I
1: save it for me. Absolutely, Um, and I'm you know it's we got nine minutes left. We haven't talked about House. We have to go to House. Well, actually, I I was trying
2: to you know set up the the medic uh, to House uh, in that the same type of thing where there's a mystery. uh, Except House most more explicitly uh, makes it a mystery. I'll tell you the thing I love about House. I know you've done a whole book, so you obviously have an affection for House. (laughs) Uh, The thing I love about House is the character gets to have it both ways. He gets to be the the smarter-than-anyone-else-in-the-room doctor
0: Mm -hmm.
2: who's looking for other people to give him the inspiration so that it it just stimulates his brain. Uh, And and then he solves the, the mystery of the week. But... Also, he becomes a stand-in for the viewers with his incredibly caustic analysis of everyone else at the hospital. Yeah. In other words, if there's anyone who can be critical uh, and who can't be critical of what you have to go through now in terms of medical treatment, mm-hmm.
3: there's
1: the man who could do it all saying the same thing you would. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I think one of the things that I found compelling about House um was a character and and for some of the same reasons that you say but also um you know the passion that that character had for saving the life of the patient he would put his own medical career at risk he would break the rules he would do things that were illegal um things that he felt in his own incredibly consistent but very idiosyncratic moral code Hmm. Um. And it was very consistent. You know, people said, "Oh, you know, his ethics are all over the place." I'm like, "No, they're not. He's got a very consistent ethical code, and it carries through throughout the series. And maybe not so much in the last season, but um, which has its own issues. Um, you heard it, guys. Uh, but the show, yeah. But but he would go to the mat for his for his for his patients. Now the problem with that. Was that sometimes his being that advocate for his patients, because he was such an advocate for his patient, meant that some other patient maybe didn't get the transplanted organ that his patient would get. And there's an episode in the first season where there's a woman who's a bulimic and she cuts herself. She would be a uh, definitely would not qualify for heart transplant because of her emotional issues. Um, doesn't want to see, he doesn't want to see her die and lies before the medical board when he's already in trouble with them. Um, he lies to the, to the hospital transplant committee to get her the heart. Um, and it saves her life. But what if there was another patient that would have met all the criteria that was denied the heart? You know, how do you, how do you make those, you know, how do you make that choice? And was that the right choice or was that not the right choice? (laughs)
2: and and uh frankly having the discussion uh coming out of an episode like that is i think one of the the strengths of what you can get out of house mm-hmm. uh because frankly we had no chance as viewers of ever figuring out what the actual disease was right because it would be all right if you said so then that's probably what happened Right. Uh, but that didn't matter because we were involved in, in a uh, in a bigger story, so to speak.
3: Right.
2: Uh, though, though I will say without, being, without doing spoilers, uh, one of the things I loved about the house finale was that we finally had a mystery, which was a mystery that we didn't need any medical knowledge to solve. And yeah. I thought that was a brilliant turn. Uh, I I yeah. mean and and um uh even the title Everybody Dies yeah. uh was a nice uh you know, take off on his Everybody Lies. Right. right. And usually house titles were revealing. Oh yeah. And yeah. I sat there and said, You know, talk about being true to the everybody lies part.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This
2: episode uh, yeah, everybody does lie.
1: <laughs> oh yeah i th- I thought it was just I-, I loved and I had some problems with season uh
2: eight
0: the, the um final yeah.
1: the final season um just because I thought that one of the one of the things you have to be careful about with an a uh, character like house who can be very unlikable on paper um is That if you push him over the edge to the point where he is unlikable, it's like, well, who cares? You know, you you need to care about him. You need to care that despite his drug problems, this is a man who's in pain. This is a man with a troubled psyche, a troubled, he's a troubled man. And you can't push him to being so unlikable that you cease to care. Mm -hmm. And I think that they did that too often. In season seven and eight, um, and people stopped caring. some people stopped caring Not Yeah,
2: really stop. I, I sort of um, I was fine with it um, well um one of the things that helped me a lot is I actually came into house late and then caught up on reruns. Uh-huh. I know one of the controversies was the change of support staff and all. I had no problem with with uh the replacing no. any of the original trio et cetera yeah, so i didn't I, was, I was fine.
1: Yeah, I was yeah. fine with that. I was fine with the rule. And, and everyone has their own relationship issues with House and, you know, with this one or with that one. And I really kind of, you know, I always say to, to fans, I said, you know, it's not your show to write. It's not my show to write. It is David Shore's show to write. And if you don't buy into the narrative that he's the story that he's telling, well, that's fine That's your right. But you can't. Expect him to write to what you want because what you want is what the other guy doesn't want. You know, now here, here,
2: here, here's the thing though House is sort of the exact opposite of what we started with in terms of Medic.
0: Yeah. And
2: a drama anthology mm-hmm. where you, do, you have all these different characters and all. I, when I teach my class, I, I, I teach at the University of Illinois at Chicago, I have a history of TV class, and I use House as an example of a series I love, but it is the ultimate and satisfying formula series you actually don't need to see more than a couple episodes to, quote, get it. Right. It's just that once you've gotten it, you like to see it done again and again. But if you said, I just want to watch a couple episodes, have I seen The Essence of House? And I'd say, yeah, you have. See I, I okay. Would,
1: I would disagree with you. See, we disagreed about this two years ago. Oh, I know.
2: I know. But I, I'm trying to make the contrast between sure. a, a formula series yes. and uh, anthology which – Always has different characters facing medical situations,
0: right so right,
2: uh, and so right. in that sense, House is a, telling medical stories for a different century, frankly
1: oh, uh, in a different is. way it absolutely is, and to me, the, you know House, the essence of House is that those those procedural the procedural uh, format, the formula um is really just a skeleton for telling this incredibly interesting character story you know i i in my book um is actually has very little about the medicine
0: mm-hmm. of the
1: show it's 429 pages and about 10 pages that addresses the medicine of the show um and you know it, because i always felt that the that the, the medical formula you're right you know if someone wants to get the essence of house and they don't really care about the character of house never mind anyone else then um You're right. You know, they can see a few episodes and they've kind of got the essence. But if you're looking at it as this really interesting journey of this character and the finale really sends that, you know, make that circle, that sort of Reichenbach Falls, (laughs) Sherlock Holmes ending, um, really does round out the character to it answers the question, does House care about anything other than himself? And the answer is, of course he does.
2: Of course he does. Yes, and and frankly, he cares, cared about basically the only character I really, really deeply cared about besides House. I liked a lot of the other characters, but my God, I loved Wilson.
1: Wilson was a great character. What a great character, R- and writing off into the sunset. And we're going to need to write off into the sunset um, because we are just about out of time for another episode of Let's Talk TV Live. This has been so much fun.
2: Well, it's been fun for me. I invite people to go to museum.tv to hear about the Museum of Broadcast Communication and watchingtv.org to hear about my uh, my book, Watching TV.
1: Absolutely wonderful, and everybody should do that. Um, and I'm looking forward to coming down to the museum and seeing the new digs.
2: Well, uh, we look forward to seeing you.
1: Thanks so much, Wally. Thank you. Okay, take care, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in tonight. Tune in tomorrow night when my guest is going to be Andrew Holtz, the author of The Medical Science of House MD. See you guys next time. Bye now.